Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses for an audience of entrepreneurs. I should have had Kevin Nottenzone here on Mixergy a while back. He built Creator Kit. It's a platform to create images and videos using AI for e-commerce stores. So, you know, like if you if you look at a store and they have this product looking beautiful in one scene and then in another and another, they didn't set up all these different photo shoots for it. They they might have used Creator Kit to do it all online. And I, for some reason, didn't have him on. And then yesterday I saw this tweet and I said, dude, you got to come on. Let's talk about what you're going through and also how you built it. Kevin, good to have you here. Would you mind reading that tweet? Sure. Happy to read it. Um, which was, uh, hi, Harley. Please help. I live in Israel. And I woke up to more bad news. Can I get any worse? Yes. Uh, the main source of our revenue was cut. Shopify deleted uh, our app. Uh, why? Because of a simple bug. We have not monitored our app during the past week. You see, I'm a little bit busy burying friends and helping another friend's family go through this fucking hell. Yes, you read that right. Uh, want to help people with Israel? Please expedite this. The hell you're talking about was the the invasion by Hamas over the border. Um, I don't want this interview to be all about that. We're here to talk about how you built your business, but do you remember the moment you found out that that happened? Of course I remember. Um, I woke up at 6.30 a.m. and I took my daughter to the shelter without understanding what the fuck was going on. Uh, it was basically alarm sounding. We knew that uh, the second alarm sounds, uh, you you have 60 seconds to go to the shelter. And that's what we did. Uh, woke up my daughter and uh, it was quite a way to wake up, completely not understanding anything. And uh, then you hear boom, uh, boom, boom, boom above your head. And you start reading the news and you don't understand what the fuck is going on. Then you uh, get on your phone and you get your text from your family which lives in a kibbutz in the south, which have more insight on what's going on, and they are locked in their shelter. And the rest is pretty much uh, what everyone can see in the news. I usually don't do interviews. Most of our marketing efforts are, uh, are focusing on the channel that uh, are performing very well for us. I don't do interviews, but I believe that uh, uh, getting into both what I'm living now, uh, what other startup founders are living now, what it's like to be in the startup nation and one day you wake up like this, it is important for, for people to understand there are many things that, uh, that people should know, that startup founders should know, and, uh, and I want them to know. So... I think it can be a conversation that could be useful. Uh, startup founders are. A, yeah, it's been about it's been about ten days. How much work have you gotten done since then? I've done a lot of work, but zero for creator kit. Uh, just like every Israeli, just like every startup founder, just like every startup employee, at from junior developers to the CEO to VCs are working very hard in every way, both going to the army or just helping volunteering. Many of the initiatives that require going through this fucking hell. And I've been working a lot on that and zero on, on creator cream. Um, and um, it's a slowly I'm, I'm trying to balance it off and, and trying to there are many, many things and problems that are arising, like the one on the tweet. Uh, for example, Shopify delisted our app, which means all 100% of our new revenue was cut, which, of course, will is, is pretty urgent and require my attention. But I found out about this like days, even days after it happened, when I, I wasn't even monitoring like revenue. Oh, like, wow. Uh, and, and like, just even to that point. Give me a picture. Uh, what have you been going on this? What have you been doing this week? Give me a few, a few things. So and by the way, I see you're clicking, are, you're clicking your pen or something as we talk. I'm this sorry, is not yeah. an easy thing to do, but it's coming on mic. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So there are many, many volunteering and initiatives um, 
both uh, for those who are enlisted in the army and for those who are not. Uh, for the ones who are not like me, for example, there are hundreds of thousands of families that are evacuated from the south that need a place to stay, uh, helping with them. Um, there are many things that our soldiers are at every unit needs to, from care packages to to homemade food. Even uh, it's uh, it's important to. There are all sorts things that require uh, attention, work, effort. There are many funding um, operations that require a lot of efforts. I am currently also working helping. Uh, in many funding initiatives, funding for not even for 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 the army, just for uh, to 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 recover the all the the damage that was uh, done, like structural and uh, structural damage, which by now is like completely secondary. But the uh, fundraiser needs to start now. So there's all kinds of efforts required. I was trying to figure out when you ended up in Israel. I'm assuming it was when you went to Beta Labs or when so, you started Beta Labs? Started Beta Labs in 2016. Um, so that was before moving to Israel. I moved to Israel while I was uh, leading Beta Labs as a remote, complete remote uh, team. And at Beta Labs, we were doing everything remotely. Um, when I decided to, uh, when I decided to move to Israel, um, landing on the on the start of nation was uh, was one of the uh, blessings that I can have and, and definitely help where we are today. How how does you know what? I'm trying to figure out how being in a country helps with your with your business, and partially it's because. Now I live all online and I'm in Austin. I've taken some space uh, from tech, unlike when I lived in San Francisco. And I'm trying to remember, what am I missing by being here? What did you get by being in Startup Nation, and which is what Israel has been? The people. The people of Startup Nation. The resilient people that are now going through this and that will, uh, will get us out of this, the people that are now working very hard and united completely to go through through this. Um, and the people is the people that uh, are able to make things happen, the people that uh, from investments, uh, investors, that investor VCs that are now enlisted in the army, uh, not just at intelligence unit, also in the field. So the people is the answer on I see. landing. All right, let's get into the business of this. Beta, and I know it's hard. Um, I, I know that I'm brushing across a few things, uh, and I hope that we'll have a chance to come back to this later on, but I want to get to know you and these businesses that you've created. Beta Labs, as I'm looking at it, you started in 2016, seems to me to be your experiment, your experiment factory, right? Talk to me about what the mission there was. So the mission there was we were young and we wanted to make money online and we wanted to build cool stuff. Not my, we didn't have any big mission rather than just uh, having fun building stuff that we thought it was really cool and that made money online. So we started experimenting with all sort of the, like simple apps, uh, no funding at all. Like again, it was just uh, let's see if this app sort of thing could be making money. And it, it was actually, we were very early on the after too. It wasn't as crowded as it is today. So uh, it was very, very uh, fun times back then. Give me we, one of the original ones. What's one of the first things that you created there? We created a Truth or Dare app, which okay. again, it was like, we, we called it Truth or Dare and we optimized for the after for those keywords. And it was a game for like a party game. And it only, okay. it, 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 people were downloading every Friday and Saturday. We saw the peaks organically and we just run ads every Friday and Saturday. And, and it was like, it was cool. Like it was a, a party app and, and a truth of their app, very simple app that was uh, generating yeah. a few thousand dollars uh, a month that for us was really cool. And then we had a few successes, like uh, we made it to the number one of the app store in many countries, uh, we top nine, 
Um, so, well, let me stick with, before you go to the other apps, Truth or Dare was basically the same kind of game that we all make up as kids, which is, or teenagers, where you ask someone a question, they, you ask them if they want truth or dare. If they say truth, then you ask them a question and they have to tell you the truth. If not, you give them a dare. I remember one of the dares was kiss this girl in, in, uh, in the circle in the party. You essentially created that. Where'd the revenue come from from that? In a purchases was very simple. Like there was a, this was a very simple app that we just took like uh, took the app online, the same app that was happening, and we just like created an app, very very simple app that now is like very very crowded. If you put Twitter there, that like you'll see hundreds of apps like doing the same. And again, this was like over. We're talking about almost ten years ago. Like it was taking the okay. same play, the same game that was offline, just taking it online. And but from even from those games to even like wallpapers, like we we just created app with cool wallpapers, and and it was fun because we would we were we would create the wallpapers, and we we would then see like people using our wallpaper. Like uh, it was fun, like because we were very early on the app store, and it was growing very okay. fast because uh because um, mostly because uh of uh, of the lack of like so much competition back then then when it got harder the competition uh, like there were full companies with funding going through the store and trying to tackle every opportunity that's when like being like a, a simple indie hacker just building a, a very simple app that's the, that's when the app business was became more uh, hard and uh, you, you had to actually have a, a real product that people love and then with recurrent usage to make uh, to make the, the the numbers work. Otherwise, it won't work. Mm. All of and the apps that we success. built before didn't have any any retention at all. It was just like a near purchases, and then people like they forget about it and they didn't use it. But it was profitable enough for us for to create uh, hundreds of thousands of, of dollars just uh, from near purchases of very simple apps. Your biggest success seems to have been top nine. What was that? The top nine was, uh, is, still is, still, still even today. Um, we it, it started it as a collage tool to create your top nine Instagram photos of the year. And it became a trend already. Like since we launched the app, we started a trend. We started the biggest Instagram trend still alive today, where every end of the year, millions of celebrities, influencers, Instagram users create their top nine collage with their top nine Instagram photos of the year and they post it online. And we made it with that app, we made it to the number one spot of the app store every end of the year. Like New Year New Year's Eve, there was one king of the app store and that was us. Like uh, it was us. <laughs> then like uh sometimes it was Instagram second, sometimes it was TikTok, sometimes it, like even like uh we did this app like we started this so early that I remember the first year we made it to number one spot of the app or that the second app that was more more downloaded was uh, Facebook. Even that, that old. But still it's, it's kind of like that going. thing that Spotify does where they kind of recap your year by telling you what your top listens were, etc. So what you do is you say, here are the top nine most liked photos that you had for the year and we're going to publish them on your uh, Instagram account so people will see a collage with your top nine. And the way you made money from that was in-app purchases, right? Right. But this is something that, again, uh, as it, was, uh, it is still uh, making hundreds of thousands of dollars like in just two, three days uh, wow. by the end of the year. Uh, and, 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 just and now, now we're not doing any, any efforts. We're no longer maintaining it, still doing that. Uh, I don't know how much it's, it's going to last, but... Uh, uh, but okay. when we were doing marketing, like three years ago or four years ago, it was doing like way more. Like in, in the end of the year, you can see the huge trend where the only search was uh, top nine Instagram photos. And even Instagram launched their like year review type of things. But uh, t like also like like Spotify did, and we were like even before Spotify did their um this their their yearly their year in review and. Instagram launched it last year, and and I don't. The reason why most people still use the top nine app was because uh, they they wanted to to see their vanity metrics and the the one that were most liked instead of just the cool reel that that Instagram did.
But anyways, because that was Instagram, like Instagram long. would create a reel. You would just publish onto the right. uh, onto people's profile. Okay, um, let's just touch on marketing before we move on to Creator uh, Creator Kit, which is the big business that has done well for you. Um, what kind of marketing? I know you're the head marketer of all your businesses. What did you do that worked? So, one of the bad and good things about Top Nine was uh, that uh, when we started. Uh, when we started Top Nine, it was just uh, we, we launched it with uh, influencer marketing, and the rest was just one big push, and the rest was virality because of the uh, marketing okay. flywheel. And the the bad part about that is uh, is that I thought that actually um, every startup that I would launch would be like, and every app that we would launch would be like that. And of course, it's not like that. You have to push marketing every every week, every day, and um, but. With that, uh, the main the main uh, marketing channel for that app was uh, influencer marketing. Still, um, every app that we we launched, we would launch it with different different channels. But uh, it was a good experience for us to understand what, how to launch uh, how to launch something with with influencer marketing. But that was more consumer. Uh, top line was more consumer, and creative we had to understand way more. Uh, what are the best marketing channels to use and, and how to run marketing with creator, which is way, okay, way, So if way I'm understanding you right, it's people who are not paying for the app had a watermark on their images. Their followers would see the watermark, see this cool thing that they're doing, follow the watermark over to, to the app store, get the tool, and they had it too. In addition, it seems you mentioned that around New Year's Eve, you would buy some ads probably in the app store. Is that right? Or also on Instagram? Yes, of course. Uh, the, the top nine was one of those things that it was huge insight for us, where we understood that if you were able to create a marketing flywheel, then it was it could be one of the biggest growth levers uh, into any business. So whenever we were creating the the asset, the collage, then we saw that it was being used by many with, that weren't paying for the app and were. Uh, posting it online, so we it was basically a free ad for uh, for us. So that was act what activated the marketing flywheel, uh, and that was okay. a, a good learning to understand that whenever you create uh, any any tool that is capable of generating marketing assets and it's generating assets that will be posted online, it inherently is creating uh, just free advertising for your startup, and that was a really important insight to understand the marketing flywheel, even at the product level. So designing the product for growth, what's also important. Okay. But you did buy Instagram ads and uh, Apple App Store app ads, right? Yes, yes, yes. By you the did. end of okay. the year, All you right. did. Let's come into Creator Kit. Where did the idea come from for this tool that allows uh, e-commerce sellers to create all these beautiful photos using AI instead of Photoshoot? So the idea comes after we built many, many uh, apps then, and many of them were also designed for social media marketing. Um, like Top9 was a social media marketing tool. And we saw that though there was a huge need for um, e-commerce marketing for, you know, for a merchant to, to have a tool that they could make it easy for you to create marketing assets. Even though there's Canva now, even though it wasn't Canva video, or, so even though the space got really crowded very fast back uh, about three, four years ago, it wasn't a, um, as crowded as it is today. Now the market is, is, is quite crowded. And, and definitely what we saw was uh, the huge boom in AI and the capabilities of AI before, like, use, before the past two years, even before we saw that there was a huge potential for How? Using Mo AI. Most of us... I'm sorry to interrupt. Kevin, most of us didn't see the power of AI until ChatGPT. It was maybe actually Dolly. We would all play around with it. ChatGPT came out and we said, wow, this is amazing. It became a, a useful tool day to day. What did you see? How did you get introduced to it? So the first, uh, the first time I got actually introduced to something that was generating image assets was removing background. And this was like way before. And the potential uh, of 
it wasn't more, it was way more what's behind the scenes and what's uh, happening behind the scenes when you remove background, uh, when you remove my background with AI. It's this magical experience that uh, it's actually like removing the background, understanding pixel by pixel what's it is and what's not in it. Wait, how did and you see it? Where did you see the background being removed? Just by algorithms that, well, that were published online and we were very okay. deep into what tool can we integrate into our toolkit, into our platform that could be useful for merchants. And so this was roughly we, the time when, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but I want to make sure that I get this. This was, I think, roughly the time when Remove BG became popular on the tech sites, right? Yes. And so you exactly. started looking at, you looked at tools like this and you said, look, they're showing a consumer use, but what they're really selling is an API. If we could understand how this works and if we could integrate this into our software, we could create these kinds of cool image apps that we, that we were selling. And then you said, well, actually, maybe there's a bigger use. Tell me how you went from this could be a useful tool for the next little app that we create in the App Store at Beta Labs and went to this could actually be the bigger new business mission. Yes, we were actually looking at the models that they were using, not even using the, the API. Um, um, me, I'm an engineer myself and my co-founder is an engineer as well. So we, we were very, very, very excited by the potential of AI for image generating tools. And it was clear that they were man they, they managed to actually create a, a, a real use case that worked. And we just saw like that, uh, that the, the, the algorithms were there and then like, just like you said, that then when you see this whole of the potential of opportunities to integrate different aspects, whether by creating a model or by integrating through APIs, I don't have anything against those who integrate APIs and create wrappers. So I think that it's a, uh, that, that is a really, really good um, opportunity to integrate any app, uh, any, uh, any API that's available and create a wrapper for a specific use case and, and market it to a specific audience. So was the first thing you created a wrapper for this remove background tool that e-commerce stores could use to have images first, on social? The first thing we created was uh, the Shopify app uh, and we used the background removal tool so that you can remove the background and create videos for your uh, for your store just based okay. on the product image of your of your products and you automatically remove the background of the product images and we automatically embedded it into videos and then when the ai boom were uh, started then that's where we were a little bit uh, a few steps uh, forward rather than the, okay. like uh, seeing it like unfolding like the way people most people saw ChatGPT. Kevin, was that your first Shopify app? Remove background, add it to video, boom. Yes, that was uh, our first Shopify app. Yes. How did it do when it was just like that, what you described? So it was the, the first Shopify app is what creator can we launch to our creator yeah. on the Shopify How did it do when it? it did nothing? How did it do when it did nothing but remove it background? Did well. It did well. It did well, but not as well as it did when we started integrating the image tools that we have now. And also we made a huge mistake, a set of huge mistakes by trying to make the app um, the common mistakes that many founders do with trying to, to make a product to bloat it with features. And instead of like doing something very, very simple. So it was doing okay but it wasn't growing, growing very fast, just like it's doing today. So a lot of mistakes done with, uh, with that app regarding product features, regarding building uh, a product with a lot of features that uh, customers didn't really want. Um, but it did all right in terms of uh, uh, creating something that was the first step toward what is creator in the platform that is, it is now that is growing really fast. What were the extra features that you added in? So we added a full video editor and creating a full video editor when you are a five people startup, it's mm -hmm. not something that you should do um, unless it's your core, uh, it's your core feature. And so, so I, I definitely learned that you can, startup founders can you do anything, literally anything, but they cannot do everything. 
We try to do everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can, I really do believe that startup founders can do anything, but not everything. We made that mistake. Sorry. I'm sorry about the dog. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry about the dog. Usually I record on other setups, but um, at any moment, this conversation can be cut off because we may have to go to the shelter. And that's the reason I have my dog here. It's part of being mm. here. And this is, this is something that is important for people to understand. We're talking about the opportunities of AI, the opportunities that uh, many startup founders will find very interesting, but they should also understand what's, what's being li- like living in hell right now, that we may have 60 seconds to go to a shelter, that we cannot have a conversation without a dog barking because I cannot go to my office right now because uh, it, at any moment that the alarms could sound and we may have to go to the shelter. And it's something that people need to understand what it's like to be Mm -hmm. here uh, for everyone, for everyone, for those who were there, for those who were, uh, who were in the South and for even the, 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 the the founders who are just trying to, to uh, get some work down or just sharing what's here. Like this is our daily life here. Um, And kids also like, for me, it's the dog with many, Families have their kids because there's no school right now. So it's very hard for, for those who have kids to try to uh, make something productive when they have their kids uh, around all the time with no school. So that's a current state. You're doing Zoom school now as a country, basically like we did in no the school. U.S. during COVID. No Zoom school. No school, no not even school. Zoom school. Not right now. Um, schools will reopen very fast. But again, just getting the perspective that it's not, a, it, it's a school, school, uh, we're talking about, um, not just the, the, the zoom, but, uh, it's about everyone healthy and the teachers are healthy. Teachers are volunteering. Who is going to dictate right. that? Everyone is healthy in different ways. Because how do kids of- handle this if they're at home? How do they handle this? This reminds me of nine 11 when I had friends who, whose kids were so scarred by it that they had therapy for years. I, I grew up in New York and I was in Man- I was living in Manhattan at the time. It depends on kids have seen. Of course, it's a different story for kids uh, that are uh, that are here, like in here in the Tel Aviv and surroundings in the center than the ones who've been on the south who were who had to left their houses and mm. they are right now in different houses. Every everyone's going to different things. For those who are, for example, in the center, it's also um, uh, they are, they're, they're going it through different ways. And it's also the way to handle it, that they can handle it. It's and that for everyone, it's, I'm not going to talk about traumas because of course, everyone will have its traumas. We like, even now you're constantly hearing any sounds and thinking it's the alarm because you, you understand mm. that you have 60 seconds to go. So even everything that looks like an alarm can trick you off and you need to go running to a shelter. For me, it's like, I'm here and I'm going to go to a shelter. I will make it in 60 seconds. But if you are like outside, then you're constantly thinking about any, any noise that looks like an alarm, at least in the first milliseconds, it just triggers you off. And you wake up at night thinking that it will it trigger, but you don't, and then you wake up. Those are the things that are really fucking everything up for everyone. And mm. we there's no way of complaining for 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 what we are going through when there's soldiers who are in the field right now and when families are going through much harsh harsher things and that's the current state right now i'm sorry at, to make these parentheses uh, parentheses on on this but uh it's just to excuse myself from having a dog barking on uh <laughs> no, on a setup that uh, is not my usual but i need to have close no, truthfully, uh, Kevin, sometimes I look at you when we're talking about business and I could see the pain in your eyes and I feel bad for coming back and saying, well, tell me about the marketing. Tell me where the idea came from. Um, and I want to be sensitive and let you veer off or to even say, I can't do this at any time. Um, but I, I think it's I really important. Continue. I think it's really, I, I, I still mm-hmm. think that it's really important for, for the audience to, to understand what we're going through. That's why I'm here. Um, and again, startup people are, are people that, that take action, that solve problems. And so yeah. if, if I, uh, 
and that make an impact, uh, or, or a big impact. Usually, startups make a huge impact uh, uh, run on the internet, and and I believe that every startup founder, as a problem solver, has so many things to to help with that uh, I may be able to just uh, at least help him uh, him or her understand what we're going why, through. Why don't, you, why don't you leave then? Why don't you just say, look, I have a company to start. Later on in my life, I can go and live a mission. But for now, I'm going to live this one mission. I'll go back to Uruguay. That's where you're from. Uruguay is a wonderful country. You go stay there, work in coffee shops or nice offices and raise your kids there and then come back later in life when you're ready to just... I don't know, have some other thing to focus on. Why put yourself through this? Okay, that's a very, very hard question for me to answer. Um, right now, um, that's, where, that's where I live here. I have a, a friend, my friends here, my family here, my dog is here. Uh, it's not just living. And I feel that right now, more than anything, I... Um, I have to be here. I, perhaps I I may have to like go um, travel so my daughter can sleep, so my wife could be uh, better. Um, and and I think it, it is important if to to continue helping. Uh, like if I if I travel now just to go away from from what's happening these days, I think it is important also like to to continue helping from whenever uh, I go. But uh, thinking longer term. Um, there's so many things to think when deciding where, where to live. And, uh, right now, Tel Aviv is, uh, is the city I chose to live when there's the beautiful Tel Aviv with the, with the beach, with the coffee, with the young people, with the startup people, with the, uh, with the ecosystem, startup ecosystem that helped me grow and with the bug staff too. And this is, it's not something that uh, you can leave any time um, because for, for many reasons, uh, I, I have to be one. here for right now. Uh, for example, I didn't leave, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't left right now because I had to bury a friend the day before the day, uh, two days ago. Literally had uh, to bury a friend. Yes, of course. I had to go to the funeral, uh, which was full of uh, full of other friends, and see how uh, my friend left a wife, two daughters, and it was very hard. It is still very hard, and. There are many things that, uh, but this has been going on. This has been going on there for years. I've talked to other Israeli entrepreneurs where, in the middle of the interview or the pre-interview, we've had uh, air raid signs, and they had to pause and go and get in their shelter, and then we came back and did it and um, did the interview. Why? Why put yourself through it? You could have left then. You could leave right afterwards. I feel like there's something that you're not telling me about what's keeping you there. And it can't just be the ecosystem because, dude, you lived in San Francisco. That's the ultimate ecosystem for startups. Or maybe San Diego, actually. But you still, you were in California. No, there. You were in the in the San Francisco Bay Area back in 2012. I was, I, I was in San Francisco. Um, San Francisco right now is, uh, I'm much safer and my daughter will, will grow much safer. Uh, much safer now right now than in san francisco with really all, all, all of course of course okay then anywhere we could no, we could same. pick any place but, i'm not i'm, but I'm, regardless I'm gonna of the say place, yes being, being here um first of all i'm not saying uh any decision is is for lifetime i could decide anytime that this is not the best place for me and my family to grow and if if i uh, if i definitely get to that conclusion we will make the move but as of now, it's the place where I feel the the place where I should be right now, not because of a startup community, not because of the beach, not of course, it's because I I, I need to be here right now. Um, it's not the patriot on on Israel is where I chose to live. I was having a, an amazing life uh, in the 
uh, years prior and today we're, we're living through nightmare, a, a living nightmare. And it is, it, it is my choice to continue being with my friends, my family. And yeah, I'm asking you why. And I guess what you're saying is you're doing this because you, you want to be with your friends and family. All right. I would say then you could make new friends somewhere else. Why, why, what's the thing that's keeping you there? It's a hard, hard question to answer that uh, okay. I definitely ask it myself on a recurring <laughs> basis. Uh, uh -huh. And the answer is because uh, this is not a moment to decide where do I want to live? If I want to live okay. now, this is not the, the moment where I had to make a decision or where I have to make a decision. But okay. unlike would say, uh, it's not compare to have, you can compare uh, going through a shelter once every two years for one time um, with a siren in comparison to what is happening now and what has happened now. I see. It's definitely not the same and things have changed significantly and there was a before and after and there will be a different after. So the decision will be take will not be uh taken during these days and cannot be taken just uh, when everything is happening right now is uh where i want to be but for of course that uh traveling right now to get out from here while well, i found a solution to will take my take care of my dog who will uh, what can like there's this is where i live right now it's uh here's here's what i'm hearing things. you say you made this decision before all this happened. This was at a time when, yes, there were air raids. There were times that you had to go into the bomb shelter, but it's not anything like this. And in return for being willing to go into a bomb shelter every once in a while when there was a crisis going on, you got to live with people whose work you respected, who pushed you to be the best that you can. You got to be with an environment where your kids can just go outside. I guess you have one daughter, right? Where your daughter can just go outside and you're not worried about her going to the corner store where when I lived in San Francisco, literally the corner store, I would not allow my kids to go there. And truthfully, it wasn't because there was, it was because some random dude could come out. It wasn't an everyday thing, but there could be some random dude who came out who freaked me out. And so I don't know what they would do with it. All right. I get that decision. All right. Come back to me here uh, with uh, Creator Kit. So you're, you're putting all this out. You said you added too many features. One of them was an extra video editor. You said, look, I think we could build all this in. There are enough tools today that we could combine like Lego blocks to do this. And we're engineers and we can make this all work. And you were overwhelming people. I'm wondering what your process is, Kevin, for understanding that you're overwhelming people. Are you the type of person who calls up customers out of the blue? Or are you the type of person who checks some kind of stats? What are you doing? Tell me. I learned the hard way that... Uh... Startup founders, we usually overcomplicate product building and building a company is no, no different than whether it's a startup or just uh, any company. It's creating a product and building a product that customers want and selling a product to customers. And that, those fundamentals took me a long time to understand that, that companies live from customers and it's nothing is more important than talking to customers and understanding what they need, what are they experiencing when they use your product and what are their, their pain points right now. And nothing is more and more and more fundamental than building, a, building and selling a product for customers. It's just the fundamentals of So then how do you do company. it? What's your, what's your process for reaching out to people? Number one, um, we're, we're acquiring a lot to various channels. Uh, we're acquiring a lot of users. So it depends on which are the users. And for example, if it's a Shopify store, then I will try to get the user to talk to us, uh, to schedule a call. Then I also do um, cold calling as well myself, but mostly I try to schedule a call with our users. And we also do proactively while they are using our tool. We have a pop-up that says, do you want to chat? And, and we, we use that pop-up uh, a lot when they, we ask for feedback or we, we usually also as well try to, try to compensate the customers by giving uh, any way that we can compensate. For example, we have a 
we generated some images for for a few stores. There are many ways in which in which we try to compensate as much as possible for customers, but customers don't need compensation. Customers need their problems solved. That's their biggest compensation. So um, it all comes down to talking to customers and doing that as much as possible. You know, my favorite thing to do, and I, I've said this, and finally I'm starting to see software creators do this. I've said that every time some entrepreneur comes on Mixergy and says to me, um, you need to call your customers, just call them and they'll answer. I think that's BS. They won't. They'll say, well, why don't you offer them a gift card? I go, BS. I don't, any customer who wants a $5 Starbucks card is probably not someone who is worth talking to. So that's BS. I call BS on that. The one thing that worked for me was free consulting because you sign up for software, you sign up for a service and it's great, but there are always these issues. And what you really want is to hire a virtual assistant or have an assistant on board who's just going to figure this out and then train you. And when I do that, when I say, thanks for signing up, you also get to have a free call with me where I walk you through the whole thing. Like, really? You're actually going to do that? And the beauty of that is when I see what they need me to help walk them through, I understand their problem. I understand why they signed up, what they want. And then when I try to solve it for them, if I don't have that solution, I see why it hurts or whether or not it even matters. And that kind of thing really helps. And now what I'm starting to see is other people do that. Cast Magic is this tool that I use to get AI um, uh, AI clips and AI, AI notes for my podcast. The founder immediately contacted me and said, Andrew, we're very proud to have you because you're a mixture do whatever. I used to think that that was great that they that they were big mixture do fans. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they are. It's still a nice touch. It shows that they know what I'm doing. I go. I want to give you a personal tour of the app to show you around. And I took it. It was very helpful. It helped me go from not being a user to being a user. And some of the issues that I had, I can see other people had. And he's building it into the product. What are What are you doing like that? So, most of as going back. Most important thing is try to schedule as many calls as possible. Many want and want answer. Many want uh, want to get on the phone. And what we're doing is sometimes is that we are even like popping up uh, from the chat uh, bubble. Like, do you want a free consultation as well? Uh, do you want um, the like top tier? Up to your package, but it is hard. It is hard to get customers to talk. It is hard to get them at the moment where they are available, and that has been like the uh, the most uh, successful effort for that was actually get them on the moment where they are using the app or where they are like signing up and they are over there. Otherwise, it's going to be way more harder to get them over email and following up and following up. It's right. super hard. So, as much as they can, as we can while they're using the app is is what has uh, worked for us. And even proactively, like we have a way to like see where they are and and like pop up a message like if you have a specific problem with this, like manual message even like. So that's what we do. Ah, uh, you guys. I don't know if you use Telegram, but you or in, uh, not Telegram. I um, intercom. Is that what you're using or something similar to that? We use uh, Chris Chat, which have it's very similar, but like way yep. cheaper. And yep. uh, and uh, it has a, a feature where you can proactively like send a message to the bubble and you can proactively send a message to someone with, with doing a personalized message, manually personalized message. Where is the user from? And like seriously personalized so that they answer like on the pop-up, on the bubble. What they uh -huh. do. And that has helped a lot. Uh, get them on the oh, phone. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. We so if I'm, if I'm going through the onboarding process and you can see that I'm stuck on a part, you can say, seems you're stuck on whatever the part is. You refer to that. Can I help you with that? Yes, but uh, some, someone on our team or me myself need to be proactively looking at you and we will do that. Right. Yes, but we will be looking at what where you are, where you're from. We usually select if they are where they are from, if they are from a Shopify Plus store or where, where okay. the domain, what's the authority of the domain. Like, again, we, we have many filters to understand because every day on a, on a daily basis, we have thousands of users using, using the app. So we do have filters, but it definitely helps a lot capturing when they are using the app, when they are having their problem 
And that has helped a lot. And usually also what, what helps a lot is just um, through, the, um, through the community as well, because every customer, a merchant, is also uh, very, uh, very connected to other merchants as well with fellow merchants. So everyone is trying to understand how to implement the AI into their business. And this is not right. something on e-commerce marketing uh, perspective. It's just on every area, at every company, at every board meeting, at every public company, small startup, medium startup, every board member is asking, how are we implementing AI right now? What's the current state of the, our AI strategy? This is their question right now. So uh, whenever you trigger that, you trigger that person to answer that, then it just, it's a solution for them. And this is something that why I believe every, every single business or a business or a startup founder who can build a wrapper around a specific solution and a, a wrapper for, for ChatGPT, for a ChatGPT wrapper for a specific niche, they will be helping a lot of, a lot of uh, customers for sure, because there, there is a need at every area, at every company from across every, across the board and on the board meeting of every organization and on the meetings at every single area, this is the question that they are asking themselves. What are, what's our AI strategy at every level? That's You're how one that of the few entrepreneurs who I know who has respect for creating an AI wrapper. A lot of times when someone creates software that is basically taking data from the customer, sending it to OpenAI or a similar service, pulling back the response and sending it back to the customer. If all they're doing is that, people will make fun of it and say it's just a wrapper. Why do you believe that that's actually a legitimate way of doing business? First of all, um, if it's a solution that customers are willing to pay, then that is for a reason. And that adds value. If there's a solution that adds value, regardless if it's a wrapper or it's not a wrapper, it's just adding value for that customer. And that's what matters. That's the only thing that matters. Where, sure. Whether you're wrapping ChatGPT or not, it only matters that you're building a solution for a customer, you're finding that customer, acquiring that customer, and you do that profitably. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, but, Kevin, uh, but what about this? That if you do that, you're doomed to death. Because eventually OpenAI or, uh, or Claude AI or one of the others is just going to add that feature. And really, all you're doing is taking their powers and making it look nicer. And eventually OpenAI will do that. And these other perplexity will do that and so on. Right. But uh, the, mo the most important thing to understand is that once you position yourself on a niche, on a solution to a specific issue, then you have a, a specific understanding that OpenAI cannot have a general understanding as a generalist for every area and they cannot go deep. So if you go an inch wide and a mile deep, then, then you will inevitably be able to have futures purpose built for that use case. And that has helped whether that has been, has proven to help in whether before AI and with AI, it doesn't matter. Like you will always be, be uh, accomplishing that task better if you're purpose-built for that use case. For example, you have um, uh, if you're doing a wrapper for uh, cold email, then of course you open AI will be able to to get all your previous cold emails, answer those cold e cold emails, and and uh, and create a, a solution for that. Yes, they will be able to do it. However. When you're specifically purpose-built for that, you, you have integrations that enable you to automate this with, with another AI agent that it's something that always OpenAI inevitably won't be able to tackle all those dependencies for uh, that specific niche. For example, we're talking about cold email. You need to be integrating with software that will be email delivery software so that you get, don't get into spam if you're doing a uh, cold email. You need to integrate, like all those integrations are adding value and are accomplishing that specific task better than OpenAI will. I I agree. I think that um, it will. You'll eventually keep adding enough features and put all the tools together that they need. That 
it's just going to be too much of a mess for OpenAI to do it all. And if you start now where it's a simple wrapper, as the features that your customer needs become more advanced and become bigger, then you keep adding them on and and OpenAI can't add all these together. Um, all you're the cutting off. Can't add it together. Um, the one counter example I have to that, Andrew, though, is, is you're search. You're cutting off. Oh, I'm, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, the, the connection, don't worry. We, we are using yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Squadcast, so the connection will be good. Um, okay, okay. But, the one counterexample I have to that is search. We were thinking for a long time that there would be product search and there would be people search and so on. I remember interviewing someone who ran whitepages.com and that was a good search engine. There was shopping.com I think I interviewed the founder of and so on. And it turns out that in the end, people just wanted one spot with a simple search box and they were willing to have a couple of extras, but not a lot. And a couple of extras, meaning like maybe they could go to Amazon for product, maybe they could go to Facebook or Instagram for people, but they weren't willing to, to go much further than that. Another right. example. Another example. Okay. It's not about adding features. It's not about the extra features for that integration. It's just about this being specific and pertinent built for tasks. It's something that OpenAI cannot uh, cannot uh, do. And another example is just uh, blog posts, for example. You can see that, of course, all the AI copywriting tools like Copy AI and whatever, they, they are now, the, the ones that are well-funded may probably fail. But if you do a wrapper specifically built for that, of course, OpenAI can generate blog posts uh, automatically with AI. But now Google is penalizing every single blog post that is written by AI. But if you are writing, creating a tool designed for blog posts or SEO, that's the only thing you, you will matter. And that's the way you are going to be uh, seeing if uh, your tool is successful, if Google penalizes the content that your tool generates. There are many ways to, to create content with AI, but uh, uh, if you use OpenAI, your content will be penalized. But if you use other tools that are purposeful for AI copywriting for SEO, you won't be penalized. And that's the, the uh, another example where the purpose built for that use case will enable you to become a winner for that specific use case. And you're just wrapping with more constraints to the problem because you have the understanding of what will trigger the Google algorithm, the search algorithm. Right, yeah. right. So uh, there are many. Yeah, it starts to become really specialized for the person and really specialized for the task. Um, coming back to Creator Kit, it seems like in the beginning you were basically combining a few tools that had existed in a nice user interface. And then the question was, what features do our customers want? How do we make sure that we, um, that we don't add more features? How do we add the features that they are looking for? The one thing that you didn't add was, Watermark. I just assumed that anyone who was on the free plan would have a watermark so that when they're putting up their photo, they would be advertising you. That's the way your previous business got a lot of customers through that, that little watermark. Why aren't you doing it a creator kit with the free plan? So many reasons for that right now. Um, it really depends on what content. Uh, the number one reason is that AI generated content is very expensive. So doing it, um, doing it, if we manage to generate a, a, an, an AI image that worked really well for you to be using it, you will be, we will require you to pay. And the reason for that is that we cannot, uh, the, the economics of the advertising that, uh, that uh, a, a watermark will generate in comparison to the user paying will not be enough to pay for the basically the GPU. Um, doing AI is very expensive. Just generating a few and having a, a servers running a stable diffusion will cost you bottom line just uh, the minimum 2K a month. And this is the minimum when you're running the models yourself. So again, there are many, many considerations to take into account on pricing and on the economics of the, of the model. As of now, for images, we are not doing a watermark because we cannot uh, enable um, anyone to create uh, images for free, although we provide unlimited image generating for once you have a plan. We do provide that. But uh, I see uh, acquiring customers through, uh, through the watermark, it's very different. Um, 
when uh, you're bu building a consumer, uh, a consumer app rather than a business app. But we do see that when they have a, an asset that, uh, that they are generating and they're happy generating, we see word of mouth going out uh, regardless. So it's still some, some experiments that we have to run, but for now, economically, it doesn't make sense. Uh, just only based on cost of generating images, free images. I thought you did offer like four or eight images for free, no? Yes, we do four or eight images for free. However, we what we are not enabling is the downloading those images. We provide unlimited images generating, so you see the outcome uh, of the of the. But you can't. But no, you can export four photos for free. You can actually. You can export photos yeah. for free. You can export photos for free only on uh, on if you are on any plan. On one plan. No, I think I'm pretty sure the free plan also offers four exports for free, but maybe I'm wrong. And I guess what you're saying to me is, look, that's the way we limit it. We don't really let we don't let photos go out because they cost us so much money unless people pay. And if they're paying, we're not watermarking it. And even if we were to give it for free, stores don't want watermark. It's basically giving them nothing if we're giving them a watermark. And so we're just not going to do that. What about this last thing? Uh, Dennis Hegstead, who I got to meet here from, uh, what is he? His current company is, is uh, Vigilance. He's saying that as soon as you create an app in the Shopify store, somebody starts to go to work copying it within six months that somebody has the app up. In fact, there are multiple somebodies who are doing it. And he's saying that for his app, which uh, I guess eliminates discount codes that people go and hunt for. I don't know what, I don't know, to be honest, uh, how it works. He's saying he's already got a bunch of competitors. What do you do about that? You're smiling. You recognize this issue. First of all, Dennis is one of the original marketers with great insights on the Shopify ecosystem and great insights on what actual customer need. Not something that cannot be copied overnight or over a month or over a period of many months. So having a great insight just like Dennis had on coupon codes, on the needs, specific needs on what the customer needs, it's not just the codes, it's not just the features, it's the way they integrate, is the way uh, the way they work as the reason why is the marketing is the challenge. There are many insights that are required to run each and every one of those apps that can be copied overnight. And insights on what works, on what converts, on what doesn't convert, it's what uh, it's driving our growth to at Creator Kit. Insights on what the uh, e-commerce industry needs insights on what marketers need, insights on what the existing toolkit works and how they integrate with the other toolkit. So these are all the insights that most of the ones who are copying, they don't know about. And they don't know, um, they're just wrapping a few APIs and they are just plugging it together to create a similar functionality. Then there's also a matter of quality. We understand how to create images that convert. And that also leads to how are we taking many decisions, technical decisions, product decisions to make the generations of images more uh, that uh, in a way that uh, is capable of generating images that convert and work in comparison with all the images from all the competitors. So there are many reasons why I believe that we will succeed, but even Shopify will build the image part of of it. Uh, we, it hasn't been announced uh, yet, but it will be announced soon. Shopify will be doing this, the exact, exact same thing that uh, we're doing with the AI photo tool. But the way we are integrating it and uh, with the, for example, whenever you need it to, whenever you need to reuse it for all, uh, for all your product catalog, there are specific needs that the, even though you have the insights, you don't have the resources to go as deep to become uh, an app capable of generating content for, that converts well for uh, um, e-commerce marketing. So that's one of the reasons why I believe that we'll see generally. We can go speaking uh, feature by feature on why us, why, why won't. But just like with Dennis, Dennis has a huge insight and that's the reason why uh, I believe that I would bet on him if you could buy his talk, mm -hmm. I would bet on, on Dennis.
Vigilance, I looked it up, what it does is it protects your store from coupon code leaks. So from people who are using, say, Honey or those other tools like Retail Me Not to find last minute coupon codes and get discounts without actually, you know, earning those discounts or coming from a referral, they stop it. All right. I wouldn't bet on Vigilance specifically, but I would definitely um, bet, bet on, on him, on, him, on the insights that we'll, he will have to actually build something great. You started this interview with that tweet that you read. Did Shopify respond? Did Harley from Shopify respond? Harley was amazing. Uh, less than an hour that I shared that tweet, the app was back on the App Store. And it's, uh, it's inspiring. It's really inspiring um, to manage a, an organization with thousands of employees distributed across the world to actually have a sweet action and be able to tweet to the vice president, I have a problem, can you solve it? And he says, yes. And the problem is solved an hour later. It uh, uh, speaks about why I'm bullish on Shopify. So thankful for Harley. I know he's doing a lot of efforts to support Israel and the people here. And uh, I really hope that uh, at least one of the startup founders in the audience or anyone in the audience can learn a little bit about what we're going through here, understand uh, a little bit more, and I'll be happy to answer any questions on the conflict, on trying to clarify anything. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of, uh, of lies being spread. And uh, the only thing that I want to push is uh, just one link on the fundraiser for the kibbutz of my family that I will ask you to put on the show notes um, just to rebuild the place where, which was What's the kibbutz. Uh, it's called which Zikim. One? Zikim. Zikim. Yes. And it's very, it's a uh, very happened to close them? What happened to Zikim Kibbutz? I, I don't see it. Zikim is one of the Kibbutzim where, mm -hmm. where luckily security forces in the area were, were able to stop the, uh, to stop all the terrorists, but the terrorists did mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, of uh, harm to the structure, structural harm. Um, okay. And the, Luckily, um, very few deaths from the area was uh, um, happened, but uh, uh, but it was the kibbutz where where the most uh, the mo where most of the terrorists tried to enter by sea, with hundreds of terrorists trying to enter by sea, and they were stopped by forces. Uh, it's right wow. now. Yes, um, I didn't realize uh, that. I hadn't seen it. Mm -hmm. Again, there's a, there's so many stories that are not being told yet because there's literally thousands of stories, death, death story, and um, there's a lot to help. So anyone can help here. Um, if you want to help with money, I'll put the fundraiser for that kibbutz, mm -hmm. which is my family's kibbutz, which I was talking to them while the terrorists were five meters from them and they were on the, mm. on the safe room. And they can help. Everyone can help a lot, uh, just with, with willingness to solve problems or just uh, if, you want, if you have money, with money, donations, or there are many ways to help. But... Uh, I think we'll go through this, um, and uh, it's also really bad to see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, tweets and uh, posts on social media um, on on the talking about uh, how they do not support Israel because I believe that if you don't stand with Israel now, you stand with terrorism. I've had to t cut tie with many uh, people I used to call friends just because of the, their posts or their their sayings and, and 
it's it's real bad because uh, the last impression is the last impression of someone, and uh, doesn't matter what what uh, what they did. This is a uh, this is a, a time where it's important also to take a stand. And if you don't understand the, a lot to take a stand, then you need to get informed. Like you have to answer anything, but you do need to take a stand. You need to understand. And if you don't take a stand, history will also judge you for not standing with Israel and standing with terrorism. All right. This is a painful time, a painful place to leave it. It is tough to see what people are posting on social media. Um, I've basically just stayed away from it because I, yeah, it's just been, it's just been really difficult to see what's been coming out. All right. I will absolutely link. And then I'll also link to your, uh, Twitter account. That's how you and I met. I've turned to you a lot, um, over the last year when I've had questions about AI and software, when I've had questions about how things work, who's out there, what you think. And you've always been for some reason, always been online. I don't understand how considering the time zone difference, you're always there, which is one of the things that, that scares me about leaving this part of the world. You know, I'll go to South America and work from there because it's still in the same time zone. When I see you, I imagine you must be responding to me during the dinner hour. You must be responding to me when you should be asleep. I don't know how you do it. But um, anyway, I appreciate that. And I'll, I'll let other people connect with you if they want. Also, I'll make sure to include that. Thanks so much for being on here. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you for your time.